What bedroom topics have you explored with your partner? In this episode, co-hosts Elise and Lisa explore the importance of sensual communication, not just the sexy talk, but a willingness to have real, meaningful conversations about all things pleasure. Join them for some insightful realizations on the importance of getting vocal. Hello and welcome back to OMG Spot Podcast, Pillow Talk for the Soul. We're your co-hosts, Elise Shellman and Lisa Wade. And today we are diving into communicating needs and desires, as well as allowing ourselves permission to ask for support. They're both both very intertwined topics. We kind of need to have one in order to have the other, right? Because there needs to be the receptivity when we ask for what it is that we want and need. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to, to pleasure, it's just this, this growing recognition that, um, especially in the throes of passion, people aren't often mind readers. And (laughs) if we want something a certain way, or if we want a certain thing, or if something just doesn't feel good or something could feel better, maybe actually saying so (laughs) would be whole lot easier than making the other person guess. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And why do we not do that? (laughs) I have been personally hitting up against this in my marriage of allowing old stories Mm. to be determining how I'm showing up in the moment rather than recognizing the space that my husband and I are in now, which is a very open, communicative, solid space. I have a tendency when something comes up that I am nervous about Mm. that I then look to find all the proof, all the reasons why I should be nervous and therefore should not talk about it rather than that just a few seconds of courage that's required to show up in the moment. And so letting those stories take hold, not not being present, not receiving what is true in the moment has gotten in my way. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, You know, (laughs) and you you all have been in relationship for a while. So you've grown, you know, together and you've known each other for, for a very long time. And so there's a lot of old stuff that could potentially either inform or pollute, depending on how you look at it. You know, it could be either really helpful data or really unhelpful, you know, data either way. And so when you talk about being present and like actually appreciating being in the moment and sometimes what felt good two weeks ago or 10 years ago is not what feels good now. You know, there are certain times of the month, stay away from my boobs because my boobs just hurt right now. And normally boob, boob plays a big turn on for me, but there are times I'm like, Ooh, back off. Yeah. Cause they're, they're sensitive, you know, but if I'm not willing to communicate that, how, how would anybody else ever know, you know, or if I'm, if I'm physically like moving my body away and shunning that kind of, of, um, 
interaction, then I could totally see why the other person might take it personally, you know, oh, she's pulling away from me or something like that. And well, she liked this last week. What's the problem this week, you know? And so that willingness to actually communicate what we, what we need, what our heart's desire is, what our pleasure desire is, you know, what feels good. Hey, you're half an inch off the mark. I don't know what you're touching down there, but it does. It's not having the feeling that you think it's having. And sometimes we can do that through how we move our body and the responsiveness of our breath and, you know, all the oohs and the ahs, but sometimes just, we have to use our words. Sometimes we just have to use our words. Yes. (laughs) We're grown ass adults. This shouldn't be a problem, but so often it it is. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how we love to fill in the blanks, right? The unknown is a very scary thing. So as much as possible, we create a known. And if we're not communicating about reality, then we're creating story and we're filling in the blanks with new story to layer on top of old story. And then we're just full of baggage, right? Rather than, hey, I noticed you know, you just pulled back right now. What does that mean? Is there something that I'm doing that's making it so you don't feel safe? Or is there another way in which you want to be touched? Or is this something you need a rain check or what have you? And being willing to go there with courage and without a sense of guilt and preferably with neither party making it mean something about them. (laughs) We can't get in the other party's head, but if we can get to that place, oh, and this is, this is where I truly believe that this is one of the important keys to deeper and deeper intimacy that has really very little to do with physical pleasure, but more to do with connection, you know, that, that deep kind of connection that allows for intimacy, which is different than just, just sex, you know, um, but that is so rewarding and meaningful when we let it be. Mm-hmm. And, but but it doesn't come I mean it, it, it it's not accidental we have to be intentional about the communication as well you know that's one thing in the new relationship I'm in even before it was ever you know before any physical activity was even considered it was a matter of talking through you know okay, this is going to be new, you know, when, when it happens, it's going to be new for, for both of us and, um, assessing our willingness to actually communicate what we need, what we like, what we dislike, what, you know, what works. And what I loved was the fact that this conversation came from him. It's not like I was the one driving that conversation, but he, you know, him just saying, look, I'm not a mind reader. And I would really appreciate if you don't expect me to read your mind, you know, when, when we are physical, because that's, that's not my skill set, you know? And so if you'll just tell me, just let me know, because as I'm learning you, there's no way that I can, there's no way that I can know if you don't tell me, he was like, I can pick up on some cues probably by how you react and how you respond, but words are going to be much more insightful for me. So let me give you even more pleasure by actually communicating with me. And I'm like, huh. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. A guy actually encouraging before ever even thinking about being naked, a guy actually encouraging communication in the bedroom. You gotta be kidding me. 
this you, possible? Are you real? Yeah, pinch me. <laughs> is, is this a thing? <laughs> and I was just so incredibly grateful. And there's something about that willingness to recognize the power of communication, the power of asking for what we want and what we need, the power of, of asking, hey, you know, I can't read minds. So could you please be really clear with me? You know, um, I'll, bl I'll, you know, I'll play that off sometimes and go, come on, I'm blonde. I'm really blonde. So <laughs> get really specific. Um, but I make a joke out of it. But the truth is, it's kind of, it's not a joke. It, I mean, this is, this matters. This matters both to connection and relationship, but also to the quality, I think, of, of pleasure potential. Absolutely. Because communication is what creates the receptivity mm -hmm. to the pleasure. It they continually paves the path to enhance pleasure, right? It opens the door to more possibility. So whatever the current experience is, communication is what allows that to get better. You know, one time when we were working together, um, and I, I loved having you as a coach, by the way, I, and I learned so much about myself in that process because you are so intuitive and so just so clear in, in so many areas. But you had mentioned that for me, and I don't know if this is true, like for your other clients and other people that you work with, but that for me, especially my um, sacral chakra and my throat chakra were very connected, you know, and, and like worked together. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit more about what that even means? What, what, when, when the sacral and the throat work together, what is that? That's a great question. You're putting me on the spot. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I know you're brilliant and wise. Oh, oh thank you. Uh, so to preface, I just want to say when I'm working with people, I'm often channeling the information, which means I'm not retaining the information. Ah. Uh, so it's on the spot <laughs> wisdom that who knows if I'll be able to come back to it. So if I can re recall, because this was quite some time ago, um, it was the, I think it was just speaking to what I just said, the understanding that the more that we are able to express, so throat chakra is self-expression, mm -hmm. right? And it's also how we are receiving the world, right? So like, I think about swallowing, like we eat food and we take it in. So it's how we're taking in the world, but then it's also how we are sharing who we are with the world. Mm -hmm. And what I tapped into for you, and I would say this is true for a lot of people, but more so for you, was that if one's blocked, the other is going to be blocked. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to express what's happening on the inside, right? It's going to stop the flow of energy into the sacral because you want to think it's just like this loop between the two, right? And that how the energy moves. But also if you're not allowing yourself to receive on the sacral end, right? Not allowing yourself to take in the pleasure, then it's going to block that ability to also communicate. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And so the two so connected. And I think you had even talked about um, that, like that aspect of, of not only taking in and receiving pleasure, but like even going to like willingness to be seen, you know, which can be a sacral thing, you know, either you're in hiding or willingness to be seen. And if I'm, if I'm in hiding, then I'm not going to be communicating from my, from my truth, you know, I'm going to be hiding truth, but I, you know, we talked before about both the sacral and the throat being where we can um, like 
share energy with the world, obviously with the, like the actual birth of a child or, or, you know, birthing new creations into the world through the creative energy of the, of the sacral, but then also giving of our voice and that, that voice energy to the world. I hadn't thought about how they're both receptive as well. You know, I mean, literally the thread, the, the taking in of food, the taking in of, you know, even breath and other things using the throat, you know, in, in that way as well. I hadn't thought about that, that part too. And so, yeah, it, it is, you know, very much how we experience like the physical world around us. And people might have a hard time sometimes thinking that voice is a physical thing, but I very much believe that it is, you know, and especially when you look, can look sound waves and, and things like that, even though we can't necessarily touch it, I can see, I can see, you know, when that's being tracked, what, what that means, what, and as someone who, you know, is trained and, and believes in like sound healing and using sacred sound as a door opener or a frequency adjuster, or, you know, however you want to look at it, um, I've, I've seen how using voice is so helpful to help people overcome ailments, but yet I'm not sure I had completely appreciated the effect that it can have in terms of amplifying pleasure or allowing for even, even more pleasure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's this kind of sacred mantra that I will say often, like in meditation and especially when I'm off doing you know, my energetic divine assignments wherever, you know, on the planet. <laughs> but there's this one like series of sounds that I will say. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was inspired, I guess, to use those same sounds during sacred self-pleasure. And like when I got to that point, you know, to chant those, those sounds out loud, holy Whoa, <laughs> it's wild how it, how it really did. It, it was almost as if I was asking through these sacred sounds directly of my sacral to amp up the pleasure or to really embody, maybe to really embody that pleasure into the elements because the sounds went along with the, like the sacred elements and um, holy cow, took it to a whole different, whole different place which was beautiful, but I just had never even thought about that. I mean, just like you were saying, I haven't thought about doing affirmations, you know, during self-pleasure before, but there's something about the power of the voice, especially when it's connected to communicating like our heart's desire or what the passion is of our sacral, connecting that with the sacral energy that takes this whole idea of like manifestation or magnetizing, I think to a, to a whole different level like supercharged level. Absolutely. Which is cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We've talked about before how expressing pleasure enhances pleasure, mm -hmm. right? And that very specifically speaks to the connection between the throat and the sacral. And the energy moves both ways, right? So what we're taking in from the world around us, whether that's, are we receiving other people's stories? Are we receiving society's conditioning? Mm -hmm. It's our environment. It's the food that we eat. It's the energetic spaces that we're often frequenting. That's going to impact what we're giving birth to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because it's coming in the throat and it's moving out the sacral. And, but then it works the other way as well. Like what we're experiencing in the very physical realm is going to impact how we're able to share who we are with the world. 
and what we're taking in. I mean, we spoke to this, was it last week? That we talked about, um, you know, partners and we're taking in sexual partners and how is that impacting how we are expressing ourselves, how we're able to show up in the world. So it works both directions. To get very specific for a minute, you know, there's some, when it comes to words you use during, during play, you know, during sex, during whatever, it's so intriguing to me that, that some people are all about a whole lot of words, you know, and, um, and telling stories, not maybe their inner story, but telling, telling sexy stories, you know, while in the throes of, of passion, but what a difference it can make even word choice and how word choice with some people in their energy feels appropriate but other word choice with other people and their energy, you know, I, I mean, like some, some people just want to talk dirty and for them that, you know, okay, that, that feels right for them. And other people, I just can't even imagine that like enhancing the experience with that particular person. And so there's something about not applying like one rule to everyone too. And I mean, if you're in a committed monogamous relationship that you've been in forever, then it's not, you know, it's not an issue, but just because something worked for someone doesn't mean, or with someone doesn't mean that it's going to with someone else. And, uh, and I think that's another area where communication is so important because if somebody's just, you know, saying a whole bunch of, you know, I, so, okay. So I'll admit verbal turns me on, you know, tell, tell me stories, I, whisper things in my ear, get, help me use your voice to help me visualize, you know, I mean, I'm experiencing it, but man, sexy, sexy talk can, can take pleasure for me to like a whole nother area, but sexy talk, the language that's chosen <laughs> can either really help or really make me go, what the fuck, you know, are you kidding me? Um, so rather than try to, <laughs> I mean, ooh, baby, if it's one of those what the fuck moments, just better to say it, I think. And it might blow the mood. Sometimes talking could just blow the mood. Oh, I think that's another wonderful thing to have a conversation about before you're in the throes of it. Yeah. I read a lot of romance novels, <laughs> like a lot. Um, and I often laugh like author to author to just see how differently the sex scenes are discussed and what language is used for different body parts and there's some stuff that I'm just like don't call it that like <laughs> that's such a ew like for example calling a vagina her folds <laughs> entered her folds ew N -n no <laughs> don't call them my folds um it's one begging word. for the word moist to go along with it. A lot of people don't like the word moist. Yeah. I'm wet. Um, my husband really doesn't like the word nub. And there's, <laughs> there's an author, <laughs> there's an author I read and she refers to the clit as a nub. And okay. so we joke about nub rubbing. <laughs> you know, just language that like would never be sexy. Uh -huh. And we can laugh about it. And we love to laugh while we have sex. We're a very playful couple. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we'll joke or I will in the middle of it be like, hey, rub my nub. Um, 
you know, just to be silly, but yes, there is language that can very much be a turnoff in the moment. And so having those conversations outside of having sex can be very helpful to having quality connective sex. Yep. Yeah. And yes. And, and some people are really um, tied to what their body parts are called, to, mm -hmm. you know? And when you think about male genitalia, for example, there's a lot of different words that can be used that some, some just feel more right for some people than others. And with, with women, it's almost like our, our, our options for what to call it are a little, I don't know, feels a little less robust in terms of <laughs> the options, but there are certain things you, you, you well, I, I, for whatever reason, lady bits is just where I, where I go. I don't know why you call my lady bits, you know, the C word, for example, and I'm out, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm done right then. Um, but there are just some words that are kind of turnoffs, right? And so, and I think this is what gets into communication is such an important tool and can also bring with it some unexpected consequences if, you know, we choose the wrong words or in the wrong way um, that maybe we weren't expecting, you know? And so if somebody says something, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You said that right now. And maybe they didn't even mean it that way, but you know, it's, it's real easy to get out of the mood if the wrong words are uttered. So it's this strange kind of you know, situation where we encourage communication. It's important. It helps enhance pleasure. And I think we're often afraid we're going to fuck it up, which is why we maybe choose not to communicate as much. Mm -hmm. know. You know, at the same time, I think there's far too much pressure placed on the act of sex and specifically the culmination of that act. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? there's this expectation that, you know, both parties have to get off in order to sex have been good mm -hmm. or that like, oh, you've ruined the moment. If you use the wrong word, like you, your body parts were still there. My body parts are still there. We're still here. Like, even if like the moment is gone, we can recreate it at another time. And so I think there needs to be a lot more forgiveness mm -hmm. um, and allowance for ourselves and our partners to like, we can fuck it up. It's okay. <laughs> and then we take that as feedback mm -hmm. so that the next time is better. You know, it doesn't have to be this end all be all. And I think there's a lot of conditioning societally around what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, don't say anything because you don't want to mess it up. And I think especially as women, there is so much pressure on, you know, it's our job to get the man hard and it's our job to get him off. And it's our job to make them really comfortable. Mm. And so there's less willingness or even sense of safety around having that communication and potentially fucking up our job. Interesting. But it's not our job, mm -hmm. you know, just like it's not your partner's job to read your mind and know how to touch you. Right. Like that's not his responsibility. It's, it's your responsibility to communicate that it's his responsibility to receive that communication, but not to have it all figured out, right? It's not your job to make him hard. Yep. It's not their job 
to make us wet. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like it, I find it, this is something that's been yeah. on my mind quite a bit the last week of just how much we give away our power mm. in sex and, ex- and put the responsibility on the other person and then take on their responsibility. And then there's a lot of codependency in the bedroom. Oof. Yeah. Right. Mm. Mm. Ooh, that's a big word to apply to the bedroom situation, but you're right. You know, and the idea of codependent versus interdependent, you know, because mm-hmm. pleasure can, I mean, with a partner, there needs to be some interconnectedness there, but that's such a different energy, the energy of interdependence versus, versus codependence, because it's a, it's a matter of showing up responsible for your own stuff and being willing and able to interact from a place of responsibility and communication and other things with the other person for pleasure purposes without feeling, yeah, that whole codependent, you know, you're responsible for this. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a grown ass adult way of looking at sex. Wait a minute. (laughs) Outside of all the bullshit conditioning. Yeah. So I would say the interdependence looks more like taking ownership of, you know, I'm not going to expect that he touches me in this way or she, whomever the partner touches me in this way. That's going to get me turned on just right. So I'm ready to go. Right. Mm -hmm. It's saying I can either a pinch my own nipples or B <laughs> request mm-hmm. that they pinch my nipples. Um, but also it can be, let's do it together. Like let's take ownership of this together that we both get to make sure mm-hmm. and sure that we're both involved in each other's pleasure. That it's not just right. Independence would say my pleasure is my job. Your pleasure is your job. Codependence is my pleasure is your job and your yeah. pleasure is my job. And into interdependence to me is saying we're in this together. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for being so clear in that kind of a, of a description and breakdown of, of the three. That's really helpful. And it, it's like, it's bringing up some old stories for me as you're talking, you know, even, even the idea of, okay, there's, there's penetration and yet to use your phrase, I'm rubbing the nub, you know, while the penetration is happening, I used to feel so guilty about that. Like, Ooh, somehow I'm going to hurt his ego or something. If I'm actually contributing to my own pleasure in this way, because that he might think that, oh, I'm less of a man or whatever, if I can't, I I mean, just all the, all the crazy stories. And if I actually would have stopped and asked, Hey, you mind? Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I've done that, Hey, you mind? Fuck no, please. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, But just assumptions. And I think it goes back to just being in our damn heads. The more we can get out of our heads and maybe it's the communication that can allow one vehicle for getting out of our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of societal pressure when it comes to sex for both sides. You know, for men, I think there is a lot of buildup around like, it is my job to get her off. And if she's, you know, touching herself in addition to me touching her, then I'm not doing enough. 
Mm-hmm. I think men hit up against the not enoughness a lot yeah. with that. And so even if there is communication of, Hey, is this okay? And they say, no, like that just shows us where there's room to explore. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right. Yeah. Like let's, let's not make it mean something if the other party isn't as communicative as we are, or if they're not yet receptive to what we have to communicate, not fill in the blanks, but see that as something to explore, right? Mm-hmm. It's, let's not make these problems to solve. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. Mm. Cause that just adds on so much heaviness and density and baggage Mm -hmm. we already get enough of it everywhere else and I'll bet especially for some men that's really challenging because many men that I've encountered are very much geared toward problem solving you know identify the problem let's figure out the solution and when intimacy and pleasure is identified or looked at as a problem to be solved that really does take away, I think, some of the, the, the sensuality of it or, or the intimacy connectedness of it. And it becomes a very head thing instead of a, of, of a physical body or even, you know, heart thing. And the moment we label something as a problem, it opens up the door to shame and blame. Mm. Yes. Yes. And that doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah. Oh, well, then you have some issues. You have some stories from your past. You need to go work that out. Mm-hmm. Right? And then we immediately moved into like independence. Yeah. And yeah. if the goal is interdependence where partners were in this together. Yeah. It's a mystery to explore. So to pull several of the threads that we've talked about together, you know, I've had experiences with partners in the past where um, maintaining an erection during sex is hard. I mean, it's not hard. That's the problem. <laughs> not, you know, that the challenge, That's whatever. The we're not the mystery. Yes. We're not calling it a problem, but in the moment, you know, I took it as a problem. There must be something wrong with me, right. That he can't stay hard. He's taking it as a problem. Oh my God, what the fuck is wrong with me? Because, you know, in frustration and anger that why, ah, you know, that all I want right now is to be hard and he won't cooperate. Um, And it seems that both sides of that are so unhelpful, (laughs) you know, either the making it mean something about me or just getting frustrated with yourself. I mean, if you're frustrated with your penis, the penis probably isn't going to be more encouraged to cooperate when it's under frustration and anger, you know, that's probably going to be the thing where it's like, yeah, I'm double out. (laughs) I'm gone. Um, But then what do you do? in situations like that to where, you know, approaching it as, okay, this is a mystery, huh? Rather than this is a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, how are we in this together instead of separating to be, you know, these two independent things, you know, in, in my case, the idea that, Ooh, it must be something with me that I can't keep him hard is a codependency type thing. I mean, there I'm being responsible for his pleasure and that had never dawned on me until this conversation. Um, but I have, from what I'm learning, this is not all that uncommon that it's not just me. It's not just partners I've had that this, this can be, you know, fairly widespread, it seems like. And so approaching that with grace 
instead of piling on more you know, challenge or shame and shame and blame right there that you hit it you hit it yeah yeah mm -hmm. and both sides are entering that codependent mindset if it's your job to keep him hard and it's his job to be hard in order to please you mm -hmm. there's not going to be that togetherness mm -hmm. because there is so much that can happen without a hard penis yes right Amen. yes hallelujah yes so let's take the pressure <laughs> off and if we don't treat it as a problem to solve there's not going to be all this pressure to figure it out it's like okay you're soft whatever <laughs> baby <laughs> well and i think <clears throat> i think you just hit on a, a, a such an important point that just because a penis is soft doesn't mean that everything has to be done right i mean okay well it might not be your turn right now but that just means more fun for me <laughs> come on and that has often because I've seen in the past that when that happens, it starts with the mind fuck, you know, and then like everything just stops. And as a woman, that's like a double whammy, you know, because not only am I, what's going on here and is it reflecting somehow on me, but I'm still worked up and need a little release here, you know? <laughs> I mean, so that's such a great point. Thank you for taking that to the next, you know, to the next logical step, which is all right. So workarounds, mm -hmm. workarounds, this can still be fun. Yeah. Workarounds. And I think we need to redefine sex mm. as a whole, especially redefining good sex. Mm -hmm. Right. One of the things, again, I, I read a lot of romance novels. <laughs> the ultimate sex scene is when you can come at the same time. Right. And so it's like setting this very high expectation that number one, both parties come every time you have sex and number two, that you do it at exactly that you're so in sync. It happens at the same time. And I've had plenty of incredible sex that hasn't led to coming on either side. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that hasn't in any way inhibited the amount of connection, the amount of intimacy, the amount of incredible pleasure. Yeah. it's it's not required and so i think we get to change or let go of altogether the expectations that we set around mm -hmm. what it means to have sex and allow it to not be about a goal not be so goal oriented yeah right let yeah. it be a journey Yes. And I think that's one of the things that we've talked about from the beginning of this podcast is, is taking the pressure off the O just take the pressure off. And some of the just unrealistic expectations, I mean, this whole, the only way to do it right is to come together. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> do you know, do you know, I mean, I don't know for other people, but for me, that's really difficult. And I'm not, I'm trying to think if that's ever actually really happened for real for me. I, I'm sure yeah. it has. I mean, it I'm hasn't but, for me, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm sure, but it, it, it's not something that's jumping out in my brain as, oh my God. And that, that's what needs to be recreated every time because I'm sitting here going, well, I think maybe that, huh? but again, it's, it's the pressure or the unrealistic expectation that, that can be fueled by society, by you know, the things we read, the things we watch, the, you know, 
just the mm-hmm. whole absolutely the stories that shape you know what 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 is good sex what does it look like what does it feel like and to me good sex is connected it feels intimate it feels you know deep from a connection perspective not necessarily from a penetration perspective although that's nice too you know me in that in that angle um but yeah the irony of all of this is I don't know if I've ever asked my husband what good sex means for him. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I think it's been full of assumptions. <gasps> oh, he got off. Okay, it must have been good. Oh, there is a lot of growth here for me, right? Like all of these things that we're talking about in order to reframe good sex, in order to release expectations. There needs to be communication. Yep. Mm. I'm asking that question. Let's both ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm I'm really curious. Because you're right. We make assumptions and assumptions that are often rooted in unreality. I mean, just you know, if we're rooting our assumptions in porn, for example, well, there's nothing real about any of that, <laughs> none of it. And so to just ask the question, we have a possibility to learn so much. Oh, yes. And there might be some like appreciation and benefit that the question was even asked in the first place. Do you care enough about my pleasure, you know, that you're actually asking that question, really? I I would think that there would be something very affirming on the other side of that question being asked. I don't know. I am going to be willing to ask it. Yes. (laughs) Yes, and let's not let it mean anything if our partners haven't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is where, uh, and like we kind of talked to you about before, I mean, there's probably some, some general, you know, kind of idea of, of what is good sex, you know, for each person, but also that in the moment or in the mood, there could be some shifts to that as well, you know, so a willingness to, to recognize, okay, this is, this is like a starting place and then let's explore and, and have fun within that, you know? Um, hmm. Yes. Which just highlights the importance of this being ongoing. The communication needs to be ongoing and can't be, oh, well, my husband and I talked about that five years ago. Mm-hmm. We are not the same people, right. right? That we even were a year ago. And our relationship is constantly shifting and evolving and the language that we use, the way we interact, what feels good changes. And so to both be receptive to our partner when they say, oh, I don't like that anymore, right? Or, oh, I'd like you to do this. You know, let's not get in too much of a rhythm Mm -hmm. that we get complacent. And then even, you know, having the conversation once and thinking, oh, one and done, we're good. Um, it can halt the, con- like halt the expansion of pleasure in the future. So for you, in your perspective, do you think that communication then about things like this is something that happens 
outside the bedroom? Or is it a part of foreplay? Or is it a part of the entire process? Or all of the above? All of the above. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine that each couple has a way that they love to communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, for my husband and I, we love to go on drives. We know that we go, when we go on long drives, we have epic conversations. Love that. So if we have stuff that we want to talk about, that's the time to do it. And that's the time we've had the best conversations about sex. And then also allowing in the moment to make those adjustments. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. I like that. To where if if conversation before, during, even after was considered just part of the process, like being well lubricated, <laughs> you know, I mean, but it, it's almost like connection lubrication instead of, you know, yeah. Oof. I would say after is the best time to reaffirm what was really good. Oof. Even during, I would say beforehand, in the middle of, and directly after, that's when we affirm what's really working well, because that's going to lubricate the connection. And then outside of that, that's when we bring up, this isn't working, which isn't to say like, if you're not up for it, like absolutely communicate that. But if it's a sex conversations can be fragile. And so I think it's really important to honor the fragility if it's there in the relationship. Um, it, is, it is in mine. Like mm-hmm. we, I have a tendency to get really stuck in my head about old shit and he can get stuck in his head about old shit. And so to bring it up in the moment when it's story can very much add extra weight to the act that we have, we already have enough baggage. We don't need, we don't need more. And so being away from that, even not having conversations in the bedroom is very, very important. Never, ever, ever fight in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. want that energy in your bed. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, is coming up for me right now, and, and it's like with this new, new relationship that, that I'm entering into, it is such a different feel. I mean, such a completely different feeling relationship than anything I've ever encountered before. And I was trying to, to like put my finger on what that was, you know, how is this different than before? Why does this feel so, just so much better? I mean, just so you know, uplifting in so many ways. And what I, what I came to is that for the first time, this relationship feels very soul driven instead of ego driven and the difference of what that's like from a communication perspective, especially, you know, when we're communicating from, from our higher perspectives, instead of our ego mind, you know, that part, it's a very different level of, of intimacy, a different level of connection, um, that looks for the good of the whole, like the good of the we, the good of the relationship, as opposed to um, the smaller parts of the I, I guess. And so now as I'm thinking about, yes, true in relationship, but applying that like soul communication, even in the bedroom and making the, the, the communication about sex sacred as well, And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily you can't talk dirty and stuff like that, but more about 
how can we communicate in such a way that enhances our pleasure rather than just, you know, me feeling better, me feeling less bad about whatever didn't work. And that's a whole different way of thinking and expressing around pleasure. Mm -hmm. This is something I want to explore more deeply um, because I haven't really thought about sacred communication as much in, in and out of the bedroom, but regarding sex, regarding pleasure. Which is a beautiful reminder to set an intention for the conversation. Mm-hmm. And an intention is a beautiful way to start the conversation. You know, I want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. My intention is that we both come together in a way that enhances our pleasure by better understanding our needs and how we work. And are you a really powerful container, Mm -hmm. right? So that it's less likely to move into story. And, And it seems like intention and the sacred element is exactly the thing that can help us break out of story because story is so ego based, you know, ego driven. Um, And so this allows us to kind of take it to a higher level. You know, I often think in terms of relationships where people argue and I mean, in relationships we fight sometimes that's, it's part of being human. It's part of, it's just part of living and, and, and loving but it's what we do in those arguments or in those fights or disagreements or whatever, how we approach it. And so often, you know, in, in relationships past, I've seen it approached at least from one side, sometimes by me, I really try not to, but in, in the sense of how do I, how do I, how do I win? How do I get the quick win in this fight? Um, how do I be right and prove them wrong? And so it's very much an ego driven one side. I need to be right. They need to be wrong you know, short-sighted, how do I win? Recognizing that ultimately the relationship takes a hit. Anytime I'm focused on how do I win, we end up losing. And so the shift for that to me, more soul-oriented, you know, ways of, of dealing with even arguments and disagreements. Okay, how can we win in this? Is there a way that we can communicate, approach this particular challenge, situation, whatever, in such a way that we win rather than we, the relationship being diminished. And to apply that same thinking to conversations in the bedroom as well, you know, to where it's not just, okay, how can I get off, you know, here? How can I have the orgasmic win, but versus, you know, but instead, how can we grow in our understanding and depth of pleasure and connection with one another? That's just a very different way of... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we're coming from the perspective of this is a problem to solve, that opens the door to shame and blame. Therefore, someone's right. Someone's wrong. I need a win. If we can approach the conversation from this is just a mystery to explore, Mm -hmm. then there's nobody that's right or wrong. There's no shame or blame there. There's no losing at all for anybody. So that I, I would say like, that's the primary mindset shift mm-hmm. to make in order to ascend the conditioning and the stories and the baggage. Turns out I like mysteries. I like exploring. It's like its own adventure. Mm-hmm. And so even that simple shift right there 
takes it from something to be avoided to maybe even something to lean into because whew, yes, who knows what's going to be around that corner. Yeah. And I appreciate that you use language lean into it. Often, you know, we'll start communication and then it won't go as we want it to go, or it's not being received, or we don't say it in the right way that things are making sense. And then there's a pullback. Mm -hmm. But if we stay in that mystery, then we can keep leaning in. Okay. That piece didn't work. How do we explore this from a different angle? How can I keep moving forward in this? I think often there's a tendency to say, I tried to communicate or we talked about it and didn't go anywhere. It's like, well, was there really communication and how much was there interdependence in the process? Mm -hmm. Now, all of this is also predicated on the notion that both, both parties are committed to communication. And so I was just sitting here thinking what happens when one side is not, when one side just feels so completely uncomfortable, has never like talked openly or meaningfully about sex at all, has totally shut down these conversations. And what I'm learning is that that's not so uncommon, that this is not something that people talk about. Even with long-term partners, it's talking about sex doesn't happen. Which, I mean, I'm kind of I'm at a loss for words. I'm having a hard time communicating because I, I think, you know, when I say that out loud, I see where that's been in some of my past relationships as well. So as we recognize the value and the importance for many of us, it's a matter of totally doing things completely differently. And it can feel incredibly uncomfortable or foreign early on. And I'm just trying to think, you know, from a practical perspective, how, how do you even, how do, how do you even start those conversations or, or leaning into this different way of engaging or being willing to have these conversations? You've mentioned before that you went to sex therapy and that's something that I have not done. Was, was that something that was talked about there, that how, how to communicate more effectively around sex? Yes, and a lot of it was, it's essentially what we did was couple therapy with sex as the main topic. Mm -hmm. And so it was looking at like, what are the things that are getting in the way from communicating? Um, how does it, how does it feel when they say that and what's coming up for you and just allowing for us, it was mostly having like a mediator to help us have those conversations because they were foreign. Mm -hmm. because we had not yet figured out how to comfortably have those conversations. It was very much approach from this is a problem to solve. That was, I was deep in that of this is a problem we have to solve it or this relationship can't work because sex matters to me. And then story. And it clearly matters to me more than it matters to you because <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. it was helpful to have someone come in and stop that downward spiraling process Mm -hmm. and help to kind of mediate the conversation so that we could get to a place where it felt safe and we were comfortable. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate of getting outside support. You know, if you're having a hard time doing that for yourselves, like that changed everything for us. We went into that thinking like, I don't know if we can be together too. It's not ever a question. 
Like we know that no matter what comes up, we'll be able to figure it out. And we still stumble in our communication, but we get better and better every time because that commitment is there because it's no longer a problem to solve. It feels like it takes a lot of pressure off too. Oh my and God, it, yes. It's like you're in it together. Like this is where that interdependence aspect can really thrive because you are in it together and don't see every little stumble as, oh shit, now it's over, you know, but instead, oh, here you stumbled. Let me, let me catch it this time and let's yeah. keep moving forward. And when I stumble next time here, will you, will you do me the same favor? Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. No more pros and cons list of whether or not to stay in a relationship. <laughs> well, I didn't get off that time. We had sex. He didn't stay hard. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was very much that, you know, okay, this is a problem. Therefore there's a scorecard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we're not winning. And the relationship is not winning. So. And it sounds like in doing that, in being willing to have those conversations and actually address this particular mystery together. How do we approach this together? It sounds like it's even had ripple effects into the rest of the relationship to help the rest of the relationship even be more solid. Absolutely. We were talking before you were like, we're good. You know, and the the way you talk about how you laugh and play and, you know, get silly and (laughs) Norwegian accents, all all the things. I love that. Tell all our secrets. But because that, that to me is, is is signaling something that's strong outside the bedroom too. And I love that when you can, when, when mysteries in the bedroom can be explored in a way that makes things stronger everywhere, including outside the bedroom, that that's when we, you know, the couple wins in such a bigger way than just between the sheets. Yeah, I found in our relationship accents really help. <laughs> accents help. <laughs> I love this. Yes. I know. So an, an example would be like if you're in a situation where, you know, he's not hard, just pull out an accent, you know, on either side, because it lightens the mood. Mm -hmm. Um, We often do like the French, like, "Uh uh uh (laughs) (laughs) there's something about being playful that takes the pressure off and just makes it not such a big damn thing, you know? Okay. Let's just have fun. And to me, that is so much sexier than it has to look a certain way and be a certain way and all the pressure. There's nothing sexy about pressure, nothing at all. And we put so much pressure on ourselves when it comes to pleasure, so much pressure. And it's, it's the exact opposite of what is pleasurable. And so I love the fact that you bring in (laughs) accents and just are willing to be goofy and silly sometimes because you know it might not be sexy to other people but it works for you and to me lightening the mood can in and of itself be sexy yes, yes. Mm. so so worth it just so worth being willing to start a conversation mm-hmm. and i can imagine for people who have tried to have the conversation sex is really important to me and we're not having it. And, you know, that when it's not received well on the other side or 
okay, so we're having sex, but it's, it's not very pleasurable for me. And this is how it could be different. Those, those are important conversations, but I can imagine if it's not received well, how that's almost like a body blow. It's really easy on the receiving end of that to make it mean something that it doesn't mean. It's Mm -hmm. really easy. And so I highly encourage getting support. Don't expect that you have all the resources to figure it out for yourself because we are not given the resources. No, not at all. all. We're, We're giving ideas of what it's supposed to look like, what it should look like that creates so much pressure and expectation. We need resources. We need resources outside of ourselves outside of each other like we cannot expect that we can figure all of this out on our own with all of the weight of our baggage and conditioning and programming and stories all of all of the stuff that seems intent on getting in the way of pleasure rather than accentuating it or adding to it when you put two people together, you know, I've often said that from like a sexual alchemy perspective, um, how important it is to like learn on your own, because the minute like another person is added to the mix, it just kind of complicates the energetic flow a bit. You can get there and it can be amazing, you know, when, when that happens. But if you haven't gotten clear within yourself that adding another person it just whew, can make it more difficult. But when the stories that we carry around with us, I mean, our own stories, get in the way and act like roadblocks and obstacles so much. And then you add those to someone else's stories. And if we're all caught up in our head, you know, while in the acts of passion or before, after, whatever, it's all roadblocks. It's just all roadblocks. And it seems that that communication is the way to disintegrate those roadblocks or can be. Sometimes it throws up more roadblocks if people are approaching it from an ego place instead of a soul place. And I, and I think that that's, that's the opportunity, you know, really to look at how are we communicating? Where's this coming from? Is it coming from, you know, a, a more sacred, um, connected, intimate type, we want to be closer perspective, or is it coming from you're wrong? You're doing it wrong. Because that, I just don't think helps. Yes, I would say the big takeaways are when there's conversations to be had, be very aware of your approach. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at it as a problem to solve or a mystery to explore and set an intention Mm -hmm. and start off the conversation with that intention and ask the other person if they'd like to add to that, if they're open to that, right? Don't just assume that. And, you know, my husband even this morning made a really wonderful point about communication. You know, we got like really into it before he left for work. And he said, I, I want to have these conversations with you and I want unlimited time for these conversations. I don't want to have to shove it into 10 minutes and I want space and I want movement. Mm. You know, like he wants to walk around or be in the car driving or, and so being able to understand that we all have different needs Mm-hmm. to be able to receive the other person and to be in a headspace to have those conversations makes all the difference and it became clear to me this morning that I have a tendency to like I need you to stop right this minute and have this really difficult conversation with me and 
I know you only have five minutes, so we're going to be fast. Like that's not setting us up for success. Mm -hmm. And if I had started the conversation with my intention is, it would have given him the opportunity to say, I love that. And let's do that after work. Not and that's totally fair. Absolutely. Fair. And that's where the interdependent play comes in. Mm-hmm. And so for many of us who really like to control situations, you know, giving other, giving our partner the freedom to actually have a voice in how this can work too, you know, to where we both get a say that, that could be foreign territory as well. Mm-hmm. And, and another mystery to explore, <laughs> mystery to explore. But yeah, there's something about that freedom to feel I am empowered to actually use my voice, to actually express my desires, to actually have a say in how this can look, even the conversation, just even setting up the conversation can help create a dynamic or an environment where that conversation, once it's had, can be much more soul-driven instead of oh crap, you're throwing all of this at me right now. And I've got 17,000 other things going on in my mind. And ah, yeah. <laughs> so way to go hubby for, for putting He's some, great. this is what I need, you know? And that's, and I think that's what it's all about is us being able to actually express our needs and for the other person to actually be able, be willing to be open to receiving that expression and go, okay. Can I work with this? Okay. How, how can we make this work together in an independent or interdependent way um, to where we both win? I love that. I am super grateful for this conversation. I really needed it. <laughs> so good to have these reminders and mindset shifts. And I'm excited to have more conversations with him. Let's both have conversations asking, what does good sex mean to you? Maybe yeah. that's homework for this week. Yes. Because I'm fascinated to know. I don't want to lose sight of that question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you for going deep on this. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Until next week. May you all have sexy conversations. Yay. Thank you for listening to this episode of OMG Spot Podcast. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think or request topics you'd like us to explore. You can email us at omgspotpodcast at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook under OMG Spot Podcast. Go have an orgasmic and pleasure-filled day.